Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's Moon Knight. All right, time out, guys. Let's all calm down, yeah? Let's all just chill the F out and talk for a second. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Marvel's Moon Knight, Episode 3, titled The Friendly Type. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we all sit down for a meeting with the gods and then get imprisoned in stone... Let me introduce you to the other personalities joining me today. First up, he's a Marvel nut who's taller than King Tut, but he doesn't have a butt. He's the Egyptian jackal, Justin Lawrence. Keep my posterior out of my name, please. <laughs> out of your... Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were doing an Oscars thing for a second. That was a while ago. We're, we're, we're beyond that now. We're beyond that. We're past that. We're past yeah, we're that, past yeah. That. Um, and uh, summoning him now uh, to our beautiful Discord call, let me clear my esophagus. As he gets out of his sarcophagus, he's cooler than Conchu, but if you make fun of his mummy, he's not afraid to haunt you. He's Kevin the Crocodile Hudson. Hey, what's up, boys? Uh, I was, you know what? I was trying to think of a clever um, apocalypse <laughs> quote from X Men Apocalypse, and there weren't any. So, yeah, I'm yeah, going to have to yeah. go with the standard hello. <laughs> they don't exist. They don't exist. Um, I, uh, I, I, now I challenged you guys. I don't know if you have this ready and prepared. Uh, I challenged you guys to a beautiful BuzzFeed quiz. You know, obviously this week, and we'll get into this episode, you know, deals with us getting to see the avatars for the various Egyptian gods. And uh, I wanted to see, I sent you a BuzzFeed quiz for, for what Egyptian god you'd... They have BuzzFeed quizzes for literally everything. Uh, and I found one for what Egyptian god or goddess are you. Uh, so who would like to go first? Well, you know, mine is mine is quite sweet. Uh, given that uh, even just uh, uh, you know a month ago on uh, the Geek Centric podcast, I was able to share with you guys and and all of our listeners that uh, uh, my beautiful wife Sarah and I are expecting uh, our first Ooh. child uh, this summer. And so when I got Mut, goddess of heaven and mother of creation, I thought, <laughs> well, isn't that fitting? You absolutely are a mother of creation. I'm the 100%. motherly figure in my group of friends. You know, there you it's go. Just the description, it's it's just perfect for me. It's perfect for well, you. Yeah, mine is is also mutt. Oh wow! Uh, the yeah, goddess of, of heaven, mother of creation, um, <laughs> which I think is is absolutely uh, hilarious. Uh, given the these these BuzzFeed articles, man, how do they how do they do it? How do they? I feel just like reveal they reveal who we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, are you? I was a little emotional. Are you saying there's there's a, a reveal right now? Are you announcing something on the on this episode of the podcast, Justin? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> okay. sorry. Okay. No, no little no little baby uh, gods uh, getting popped out any, not any not by, by you on your side. Um, I was well. Listen. <laughs> If anything happens to you guys, I got you because I got Osiris, god of resurrection and death. 
who was the most important uh, ancient Egyptian god. So, you know, obviously that makes sense. I think that that definitely uh, makes sense. And uh, as he took care of the dead on their journey towards new life uh, and would guide people. And I feel like, you know, if, if you've ever met me in, in terms of uh, especially through uh, other means through my, my career, I've done a lot of teaching and guiding mm. uh, for people. Mm. And so, you know, I think the, you know, just always, you just have to ask for help and Osiris will be there. Um, so that's, that's the one I got. <laughs> I don't know how. It's not bad. That's yeah. fairly accurate yeah. too. Yeah. You're always, you're always our go-to for all things uh, tech and yeah, you're just, you're always a helpful hand. If I ever have a question about a game that I'm just wanting to fucking yell at. I there always, you go. I'm like, Nate, what do I do? I'm a gaming, what do I do? gaming Osiris. Oh, there you go. Well, and, and I and I decided I was going to retake the test and just pick as close to the opposite of what my first answers were, just to see what came up. And it was mm -hmm. Ra, the sun god, uh, you know, the 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 giver of light and purpose to everything. Uh, arguably, the most important of the gods to the ancient Egyptians. <laughs> That's what I would have aligned myself with first. So uh, I don't know. I, maybe my own thoughts and understanding of myself are a little skewed. It does seem like a lot of these descriptions are describing each of the gods as the most important. Like, did they all write them themselves? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, maybe they wrote this, they did this BuzzFeed it's, It could be. Uh, mm -hmm. Quiz. Or their avatars. <clears throat> maybe their avatars oh, wrote it, right? Oh, there we go. Yeah, there we go. And I think, uh, you know, we're going to get into this episode and see a little bit of uh, jealousy between uh, a certain god and another god. So uh, let's just dive right into this week's story. Um, we, you know, this week we kick off with, uh, again, a brief previously on, uh, and this time followed by a deeper look into Layla and you have to assume also, uh, Mark's like forger. Uh, we see her share a brief exchange with Layla as she justifies, uh, her not so innocent lifestyle and they reminisce over Layla's father and what seems to be a lifestyle that runs in her family. What did you guys think of this opener giving us a brief glimpse into Layla's family history and this woman who I'm assuming is her mother, right? Yeah, I, I think this is her mother. It seems like they're referring to your father in a manner that feels like, you know, she has a relationship yeah. uh, with him uh, or had a relationship with him. Uh, that being said, again, I think this is, as we were talking last week, you know, exposition just being handled so well. Yeah. Like we're learning about the ins and outs of, of, of Layla in this very telling moment as they forge a passport uh, very quickly so that she can leave the country. So two ways, both visually and, uh, you know, narratively with, with, with what is being spoken on screen, we're learning more about Layla than some sort of flashback sequence that would take us back or anything, anything that felt like it was so heavy handed exposition. This was the right way to handle exposition again. Totally. And, and, and this just, this is just another instance of showing, just how dangerous of a life it is uh, as an archaeologist. Uh, you know, when I was when I was in middle school, yeah. that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. And you know, I decided very early on that I wouldn't be able to handle the bugs and and the scary darkness of crawling <laughs> through to tombs and whatnot. But just yeah. the danger element alone, I don't think I'd be able to handle it. I'm far too fragile. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure all I'm sure all the archaeologists that are watching this are just like, yeah, that's my life. Now everyone knows. I finally well forged passports. I hear I'm always on the run from law. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I do I do want to say, and this is a bit of inside baseball, but Kevin, she reminded me so much of your mom, and just in that she's she's not only is she a badass mom, but she's also so just like no matter what 
She's got your back. She knows that this is probably not the best thing for you to be doing, but she, she's going to she's gonna help you. She's there every step of the way. Um, and you can see that this is part of the family business for Layla, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, Justin. This is an excellent example of in these Marvel shows how you 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 show their relationship while not necessarily having to break down every single aspect about it. You just show a, a mm-hmm. beautiful, raw conversation between these characters without having to be so heavy-handed in saying, like, right. you know, our family history or showing a flashback like we talked about uh, we didn't that we didn't want last week. It was just a conversation between her and her mom, and I thought it was really well executed. It, it is exposition, but... Without laying it on too thick, it's it's yeah. letting the moment mm-hmm. define these characters instead of necessarily having them have a conversation with each other that two people who know each other wouldn't have, for, but for the sake of the audience, you know, would be saying things that, again, they wouldn't be saying normally. I like instead that this was a real conversation that we as the audience sort of deduce clues from. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That is it. Trust your audience. Trust that they will be able to piece together the elements that are being laid through this scene, through this conversation, to, to do what it needs to do in terms of just giving a little bit more depth to Layla and her relationship with her family, which, as this episode will, we will discover, it kind of does matter. So then we get our Marvel fanfare opener, uh, this time to the tune of Enta by DJ Kabu, um, which really sets the scene as we get you know right into Cairo, uh, where we left Mark at the tail end of last week's episode. And we see Harrow has used the compass to successfully find uh, Amit. Uh, and then we, we get to see Mark really doing what he does best, chasing down these thugs. Uh, they've murdered Mark's target. Uh, and then we get this fantastic fight scene filled with blackouts that cut between a few moments with Mark both in and out of control, which brings us to this moment on on the ledge where Mark uh, wakes up having killed two of the three thugs. And then the last one ends up killing himself in the name of Amit, which I just thought was a, a, a really intense moment. Uh, what did you guys think of this first look uh, uh, at, you know, not necessarily Moon Knight Mark in action, but Mark in action? Well, you know, again, you, you go to the rooftop scene, you know, you see Mark in what obviously we have imagined that his character would be given the level of, of the mercenary background. So we, we get to see a glimpse of that. But I love how Steven just keeps stepping in, you know, mm, yeah. to try and sort stop of be him. the good guy, yeah. you know, like try to stop him, you know, try to reason with him, uh, you know, which results in him putting himself in a cab, sending him <laughs> to the airport, which yeah. I thought was so funny. And then he sees the guys yeah. and he's like, hey, hey, let me talk to you. And then again, as he as he confronts these guys yet again, he is he is confronted by Stephen as a reminder to just, you know, you know, just stop, just stop with this. But what was interesting is when we do get to that cliffside where Stephen doesn't know who did all the killing and nor does Mark. And it's just like, is there a third personality that we just haven't met yet? Like, I, I guess the assumption is to assume that it was Conchu, but again, in both instances, we've seen, we've seen Steven and Mark interact with Conchu. So we have to imagine that, is there another personality that's, that's, that's a foot here? Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I had, I had the same question. I thought maybe I, I'd missed a line of dialogue or I misunderstood the exchange, but I was a little, a little confused about everything that had, had sort of transpired here. But just to really quickly go back to, I do love the idea that, you know, we've been watching Stephen wake up to 
have Mark have done all these amazing heroic things, and then when the shoe's on the other foot, it's like the most the wussiest, most passive aggressive thing. Like, just, <laughs> I'm just gonna jump in a cab here and safely transport us away from the situation. I love that that was his his go to. And like speaking of some comedic moments, I I enjoyed what it. I know it wasn't, but it felt like a callback to the scene in Force Awakens where Poe meets Kylo for the first time when he's like, what are we dancing? What are we fighting? What are we going to do? You know, like he's it felt very similar to that very first interaction between the two of them. And Oscar Isaac just pulls it off so well. I love how um, he doesn't even care like that thin mustache man and all his theatrics with the knife. And then he licks the blade. But Mark just interrupts him with two swift punches to the face. I thought was so awesome because, you know, how many times do we see in these action movies and, and shows, bad guys, they try to do that stupid showy stuff, and then the heroes just sit there and watch them do it. Like, that's not realistic at all. So to see him, like, just fully bam, bam, interrupt him as he's licking a knife, like, it was so good. That's that's our first real Indiana Jones moment, right? Where there's the yep. swordsman, and yep. Indy just no, shoots him a couple times. I'm not dealing with this guy right now, you know? So that was definitely our first uh, allusion to a, a, an Indiana Jones nod. And I, I also want to just shout out, like, I love how even though Mark is really, he, you can tell at this point he's pretty cutthroat, you see his uh, human side still show where, uh, and maybe more of his Steven side uh, within himself show where he's sparing this kid as much as he can. Like how in the fight choreography, we see him change his hand from a fist to like a Will Smith open palm as he slaps this kid across the face <laughs> instead of punching him. Um, <laughs> sorry, I had to call it back. Um, it's just cool to see. <laughs> three weeks, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like we bring it up every week. Uh, it's just cool to see his characteristics carried through even in his his fighting style. You know what I mean? Like it, this was gritty. It was realistic, but it was also a, a, a really cool sort of character study of Mark himself within the choreography, which I think is, that's so well done when you can when you can bring it to that level where you're like, I get a little bit of who this character is, even in the way they fight, which I just thought is, is awesome. Again, that's part of, of Mark's personality that I think just really shines in this episode. You know, mm-hmm. again, as we were saying last week, we spent the last two episodes uh, with Steven, and at the end of episode two, we've now transitioned to seeing Mark outside in in the in the real world, if you will. So this is this is nice to see again more of that fighting style, that action that is oriented around Mark's character, kind of take front and center stage here to really, as you're pointing out, reveal the the characteristics of of Mark. Well, in so many times in those first two episodes, we don't see what happens. We don't quite know what happens. It's exactly. just a lot of Steven snapping back into it with blood on his hands. And so to see that, yeah, he is a good guy with a conscience, uh, Mark, that is, I think that's another important uh, level and, and layer to add to the character. Interesting. Um, well, then we, we, you know, after Khonshu, uh, we see <clears throat> he gets the attention of the Ennead, uh, which we learned about in episode one. And Mark and Steven uh, walk through a portal into the Great Pyramid of Giza uh and I love how I love how much Mark is just geeking out all over the place like it's the pyramid of Giza like or sorry Stephen is yeah Stephen is is geeking out so much just freaking out over the 
the pyramid and I don't know, I just thought it was so well done. Um, but we, we get into the Pyramid of Giza and all the other avatars of the gods portal in to take counsel. Uh, we meet a very lovely lady named Yatzel, who is the avatar of Hathor, the goddess of music and love. Uh, and the other avatars attending are Horus, uh, Isis, Tefnut, and Osiris, myself. Uh, they all listen to Conchu through Mark as he calls for judgment against Arthur Harrow's uh, against Arthur Harrow, who gets summoned there, uh, and he pleads not guilty and claims that Conchu is unhinged and reveals to the gods that this avatar suffers from multiple personality disorder. Uh, the gods agree with Harrow that he's innocent, and Harrow walks free. But then Yatzel uh, tells Mark in secret, she kind of pulls him aside, that if he finds the Medje Senfu's sarcophagus, then he'll find what he needs to find Hamid's tomb. So let's talk about this sequence. What did you think of this trial of the gods? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll admit that when the scene started, I was sharing Stevens geeking out at being in, in the, the Pyramid of Giza and... and it all just sounded like such a great premise. I'm not, I'm just not sure how thrilled I was with the the overall results of this scene. I'm not sure uh, I liked how easily they were able to just sort of uh, dismiss Conchu's claims and and instantly side with this guy who's this Harold guy's clearly not up to anything good, and they're just sort of I, I guess their <laughs> yeah. idea is that they have to passively let him do wrong before he can be punished for such a thing. Uh, but I don't know. It just felt a little flat for me. I feel like, um, I feel like obviously the, the gods have had previous experiences with Khonshu. And so maybe that sort of justified their, oh, it's just all Khonshu again, being his Khonshu self. That's why we sort of kicked him off the yeah. team in the first place. But, you know, Yatzel yeah. um, obviously has some sort of, Passed with with Conchu. Um, I'm wondering even if if Hathor maybe had a romance with Conchu. Um, I think would would you know may, maybe that was part of their past. But I thought this was a, another interesting look into the again the sort of the rules of this part of the MCU. Hearing Osiris say that they've decided long ago not to meddle in the affairs of man. Like I just got Erishim vibes from you know from Eternals all over this right where. You have to wonder, with so many different cultures and gods in the MCU, do they overlap, if at all? Like, when do they overlap? Um, I just thought it was, it was again, it, it felt a little too similar to something we just got in our MCU of when we are working with these, these gods on Earth. Well, first, I think, I think what this really does show is that Khonshu is a villain, if anything, he he is perceived as a villain. Right. He's per perceived as untrustworthy. Um, and I would have liked to have seen the gods rather than their avatars, in all honesty. Like, if the avatars showed up and then the gods came out of them and they, they stood together and they counseled, I think that could have been a little bit more interesting. And also just given a little bit more identity to each of these gods rather than just their avatars. That being said, I think that there are some moments here that show that Khonshu does have it tough. Um, he is he is being seen as the villain, and you know uh, I, I believe um, Arthur is 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 leveraging that right by and highlighting that, and also calling into fact that you know Mark has a, a disassociative disorder, uh, you know that Conchu is exploiting, and that is is making worse, not better, uh, in, in doing that. And yeah, like it is possible for Conchu to have had a relationship, and I think that that's kind of subtly 
hinted at in in, in this in this instance. But yeah, I, if I was going to say that, where does the episode slow down? It's right here, yeah. because especially after like what was supposed to be, I, I was being set up as like a sort of cat and mouse sort of chase down answers, and we just immediately halt and. It kind of felt a little out of place. This feels like it could have been better towards the middle of the episode. Kind of hit a wall, yeah. Yeah and, yeah, and you brought up such great points about how there is almost an inconsistency about how Conchu is using um, Mark and Stephen as sort of a, an, a, a microphone to project his thoughts, but the other gods are just letting their avatars hold the council. They're not sort of speaking <clears throat> through those avatars. So, right. yeah, it was just... It just felt a little all over the place. I, I mean, speaking of, of all over the place, I did enjoy, though, how it was kind of cool to see the avatars are clearly from, like, all around the world, right? Like, we've seemingly, we had one from Africa, another mm-hmm. one was from Ireland, one from the UK, um, and I just, I think, it you know, it shows how far spread out the influence of these gods are, and I think it also, you know, kind of speaks back to the previous uh, week's episode where we were kind of thinking, like, how the heck does Arthur Harrow have people in Germany, people in the UK, people everywhere? And this is this is part of that. Um, but, you know, before we kind of continue on, I did want to just go to the moment with Yatzel where she says that he needs to search the black market for Senfu's sarcophagus. We didn't get this, but I really thought that we were going to get some connection to Sharon Carter here, uh, which I thought would be kind of interesting. We we did get something mm-hmm. connecting to her in the, the next sequence that we're going to talk about. Uh, let's keep going here. We, you know, I think we, we see uh, Mark kind of asking around on the, the, I guess the black market. <laughs> That's where he is. Um, he, Layla catches up to him very uh, conveniently, oddly enough. Uh, and, you know, basically they, they share a lovely, boat ride uh where they talk about their past history and and they talk about you know the day they got married which i thought Mm -hmm. was was a nice moment between them um but they're they're on their way over to anton mogart who is a rich dignitary and collector who has senfu's sarcophagus what they're looking for like immediately uh once they get there they see Layla Mark and Steven work together to uncover the secrets locked away until they're interrupted by Mogart and then Harrow uh, and his men Harrow destroys the tomb using yet another sliver of Amit's power uh, and then Mark summons the suit and proceeds to take out Mogart's security detail until he's interrupted by Steven briefly uh, and then mm-hmm. and then Steven's impaled multiple times and then instantly gives the body back. Uh, what did you think of two things? What did you think of um, Anton Mogart uh, and this epic fight sequence? Well, I, I want to just go back a bit to the boat moment, which I think uh, was 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 great to kind of establish a little bit more about uh, Mark and Layla's relationship and sort of revealing the fact that, again, based on the previous scene, it, it's established that. Mark has been dealing with this this disorder. Stephen has been an entity inside of him for quite some time. And he calls out, you know, I had it under control uh, until very recently. Mm-hmm. So whether the fact that he has now been infused with Conchu's powers, did that bring that out? Did that break his stability? Who knows? Maybe that plays part in why Mark was selected, if you will. Or, But that being said, I just think it was nice that we, we got a moment to, to kind of see the two of them. And I, I think the whole instance of Layla showing up, you know, she referenced it before. I tracked your phone. 
I thought that's what you wanted me to do once you turned it on. So I'm oh, imagining okay. his phone was probably yeah. still on or he Can, used that's it easy, and though. tracked him. That's easy. That's an easy way well, to say that. They established it, though. I, so, I, <laughs> but, okay. But was pretty interesting that, you know, she was like, no, no, no. You're looking in the streets of Cairo. I, I know who has this thing. Mm-hmm. So let's let's just go see them, right? So it was like that part was fairly convenient. I was like, oh, well, that wasn't very hard at all. <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're, yeah, when you're yeah. looking for like this treasure hunter aspect to sort of emerge from the show and there's very little effort required to, to sort of solve the mysteries. And I don't know, maybe I just missed the point of it all, but I found this all very trifling. It all felt they needed Muddled. to create a way to have an action scene in the middle of this episode but the reasoning for it, I'm not sure why Harrow shows up here when he's already found, you know, what he's been looking for. Why is he leaving this thing that he's been searching for desperately just to go screw around with Stephen and Mark a little bit? And I don't even know if our characters really needed to resort to this in order to find the, the tomb they're looking for. Uh, where they could just have tried to find a way to track Harrow himself. So it all just felt redundant to the point of creating a need for an action scene and the action scene was really well done but yeah i i I would agree with that sentiment as well i do feel like what they tried to do was draw it out but it's kind of it's we've talked about this in other past uh series where it's just like they kind of give you this piece of like adventure or mystery but then they kind of answer it really quickly and you know again it just arthur harrow already has his location yeah. the, of, of Emmett. And why leave that, like you said, Kevin, to go stop them so that they don't get to where you are? It just seems really unnecessary. It was it's spinning like, wheels for me. He this, just is kept, where, this is yeah. the kind of slowing down and re- repetitive nature that bugged me the most that we've seen on the show so far. This is where the show, even though it was in the middle of an action scene, it still felt like the narrative stopped and, and it wasn't progressing anything. Yeah, it did feel it did feel um it felt uh, like a MacGuffin for a MacGuffin's sake uh in this moment, but <clears throat> I I will say uh that yeah, the fight sequence was great. I think, you know, obviously we saw in the trailers the part where he opens his cape, but getting to see it happen again here in in action, I thought was was really really cool. I think um, you know, it's 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 it also highlighted his healing factor when he does get impaled multiple times, which is not something they've really talked about or shown on the show where he just seems to be perfectly fine. Um, and I, I loved, I loved when, yeah, when, when he gets, when Steven just gets instantly impaled by all those, those guys. And then just is like, no, I don't want it. Take it back. Take it back. Um, and I also thought it was, it was dope to see Layla kick some ass as well. And again, we talked in our preview show about, kind of the mummy vibes uh, that we got. And this was really like an Evelyn moment uh, for her where we get this, you know, badass black curly hair, you know, woman and and Layla just leaps into that guy like a freaking, like uh, like a freaking velociraptor is dabbing him. Uh, I thought was really, really dope. Yeah. And, and as pointless as this whole scene might have felt in terms of really just leading us into the action, I think the one thing I really enjoyed was seeing Mark and, and Steven mm-hmm. working together. And I feel True, like yes. that is so prevalent in, in this in this moment, you know, the way they're trying to figure out the puzzles and uh, and figure out the map and, and all this stuff. And, you know, the way he just when he's interrupted by the guy with the gun and, and, and he just snaps back into his mercenary mode, it, it's it's you know, it, it's very telling about how how fragile 
that those sides are. So, yeah, if anything, I, I really enjoyed that we got to see more of a team dynamic between Mark and, and Steven in, in this moment. So, yeah. I will say, though, and I I don't care if this is expository or or if it's pointless or whatever, we did get another, as I alluded to earlier, connection to the MCU, um, especially after seeing last week's Purple Magic. Uh, when Beck mentions to Layla, he says, after Madripoor, they have a lot to talk about. So there's no doubt in my mind that at some point, Anton or Layla or both of them worked with Sharon Carter to acquire some of those pieces for his collection. Um, I just, uh, I thought that was really, that was a cool connection because again, it it brings us into sort of a, a deeper understanding that this is maybe going to fit more within the street level of our, our MCU. You know, we kind of talked in the past about the ideas, and I know it's all over the internet that people have these theories of like where phase four is going, but how they are kind of putting them in different corners of, of the MCU map. And to, to get a greater understanding that this is connected to Madripoor, that was that was cool. Sure. And again, I, I think that this is just the MCU doing what the MCU does really well. They're, they're referencing a city that we already know that has some shady business around it. And yeah, it's probably likely that the power broker could have been the way that, you know, some of this stuff uh, had transferred hands, given the fact that Sharon Carter was was dealing in antiquities and, and such. Yeah. Um, so I, I just feel like more or less rather it tying into or being relevant or connecting back. It's just it's showing that Madripoor does have a place in the MCU that is going to matter because we haven't heard about it since the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Right. Well, hearing something instead of just seeing exactly. It. Um, so then we get to the final section of the episode where we see Mark and Layla struggle to use the star map that they found from Senfu's sarcophagus. And Layla says they need Steven's big geeky brain to figure it out. Uh, he does figure it out, but he realizes that even though they have the map, they couldn't possibly use it because the stars don't align the way they did when the map was made. So then we see our first instance of... Uh, not necessarily Stephen working alongside Mark, but Stephen working alongside Khonshu uh, to realign the stars in this really epic-looking moment, followed by Khonshu disappearing as he's imprisoned in stone by the gods for for making one too many, uh, uh, you know, I guess tampering one too many times with the sky. Uh, We hear the glass footsteps leading into the hall where Khonshu is being kept, and we see Harrow give his victory speech, uh, saying, "I owe you my sorry. I owe my victory to you." So, uh, guys, what did you think of finally seeing Stephen using his true powers of knowledge, uh, and then the imprisonment of Kanshu? Yeah, like I think again, going back to what I was referencing in the last scene, here we get to see Stephen and Mark working together and it's almost like a a tag in tag you're it kind of situation um and and i I really enjoyed that i I think that it shows that they are stronger together than they are divided like they they need to work together to overcome what whatever it is that the the obstacle that that's coming up and you know that that starry scene um like it was it was so so good oh dude the VFX were awesome, dude. And, and I just, I, you'd have to imagine that that's being seen around the entire world, right? If that's the mm-hmm. stars. So, yeah, no, um, 100%. But, you know, again, it was great to see Steven. Like, he, he must have a wealth of mental strength yeah. to wield that. And, and, and I think that's really great. And, you know, the fact that we see 
Khonshu and Steven working together and, 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 you know, just to see that dynamic, it's, it's something that's very unexpected, especially for how much uh, Conch right. made fun of him, right, uh, over the course of the thing. But what I thought was really interesting, too, is when 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 Conchu makes the decision uh, and he, he decides to sacrifice himself, it made me wonder, like, what does Amit mean to Conchu? Mm. Like, she obviously must have some sort of importance if he's sacrificing himself like that. And could it be something like like you were referencing, Nate? Like, could it be a past relationship? Because it's it's not impossible, right? Right for for gods to to have some sort of relationship or or some sort of emotional connection. But I don't know. Just the act that he would he knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to be reprimanded, and he knew he was going to be contained. Uh, uh, you know, he decided to go through with it. And I just love that at the end there, he's asking Stephen to ask Mark to come to come get him. Uh, once he finds the tomb, I just thought that was so that was so poignant, right? So, <laughs> he's t- yeah, because he clearly tr- he clearly trusts Mark over Stephen, um, <laughs> even though they just work together. Uh, I also want to just shout out the Night Sky app on iPad for saving the day. Uh, what a great application! Download Night Sky; it's available on the App Store. Uh, this is a sponsored episode, so we just that's our sponsorship. <laughs> I wish, uh, well, I wish, and and aren't there mapping star mapping? apps and technologies that that they can use to see what previous night skies would have looked like this could have saved Probably. so much trouble and now you're taking away my beloved conchu for at least the foreseeable future uh, and locking him in stone i was so devastated when that happened uh, it was so upsetting there were other ways guys yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you know talking about arthur harrow's as, as you said yeah victory speech uh, at the end there. I think this is just, again, peeling another layer to the onion that is Arthur Harrow and really just revealing that there is an emotional trauma that is is resonated in Arthur Harrow's character, which is enacting this revenge. Um, you know, again, it, it comes from his time of being his his fist of vengeance. So you have to imagine that there's, there's this, an emotional and mental toll that's taken, which I think is just an interesting juxtaposition to what Mark's dealing with and, and what Mark's going through with battling Steven. It's just, it's almost like Conchu birthed this revenge and this this motive. So it's empowering. You can really tell that he he clearly has a terrible past with Conchu. It was probably pretty rough for the guy. And, and, and now he believes he's going to both, you know, eradicate evil in the world at the same time as get back at his old boss in a way. Um, And it just shows, I think this whole scene just shows just how personal it is for Harrow, uh, for him to kind of be talking to a a stone statue, Um, which again, just shows kind of he's, he's all in like, he's, he's a terrifying villain in, in how calm he is, but then just how, how much this means to him. Uh, so, okay, well, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, let's just seal this episode in stone, uh, and give our overall impressions, uh, of this episode, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five imprisoned moon gods. Justin, I'm going to get you to go first this time. Yeah, well, like you guys have been saying throughout, uh, you know, th- this episode does have some slow parts and 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 it, it, it definitely it, things feel very convenient. And, you know, the action was great, but the lead up to the action was meh. But I got to say, there, there are still some great 
standout moments. And again, this episode is just a great example of how you handle exposition uh, from the opening scene with with Layla and her mother as they as they build this fake passport uh, to the tender moment on on the boat where we we kind of get a little bit more insight that Mark has been dealing with his his disassociated disorder for quite some time and never told Layla. And he thought he had it under control. And, you know, until very recently, as he says, and, you know, to me, that just means that Conchu probably brought that out and split that, you know, broke Mark so that these two personalities are two separate entities. But in that, I think the beauty of this episode is showcasing how Mark and Stephen are stronger together. Mark is the muscle, Stephen is the brains, and Conchu is the power. And I feel like in this episode, we see such a ballet between all of these uh, personalities or characters weave together throughout this this episode. So I think that this episode, while not handled great, uh, does have some strength. But I am going to be giving it a lesser score because it, it you know some stuff just kind of bothered me again the convenience and and how things wrapped up. So so I'm going to be giving it three point five out of five in prison moon nights. Okay, Kevin, how about yourself? Yeah, this was this was definitely uh, my least favorite of uh, the first three episodes that we've seen here. Um, you know, I think we we've we've now hit uh, the the halfway point of the show. Uh, I think they've done a really great job of of really defining these characters, not just our our, our good guys um, and gal, but uh, really uh, this does a lot to just show just how nefarious and 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 hell bent on on reaching his goals that Arthur Harrow is. And so that was really important to do here. I just questioned some of the methods and, and ways they decided to do that in this episode, as we talked about. Uh, I mean, and so it's a shame that the setup for the action scene left a lot to be desired, and yet it's still yeah. probably the best action scene that we've gotten in the show so far. Yeah, that's and, true. And it's that, that pure Marvel combination of humor mixed with excellent choreography, everything you want from a big Marvel fight scene. And so I just wish the context of that fight had meant a bit more to me as a viewer because I was really just sitting there almost a little distracted going, but this is all just so pointless and redundant. Um, So yeah, yeah, it was a a bit of wheel spinning for me in this episode, but again, where it stands out in terms of really strengthening our understanding of the characters, it, it helps to sort of bring the score back up a little bit. But again, it, it is a bit of a dip from those first two weeks. And I really hope that now that we've sort of reached that halfway point, they can start really driving towards whatever kind of conclusion we might be getting from this show. Uh, so with that, uh, again, it, it wasn't a bad episode. Just it, it left a little to be desired in, in certain areas. Uh, so with that, I will give it a 3.8 out of 5 imprisoned moon gods. Alrighty. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think more on on Kevin's side a little bit more. I think, um, yeah. To your to your points, right? Like the 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 moments where I started to check out of not only this episode but it felt like the series. Like I was kind of like, ah, oh, I really don't know. Like again, this feeling of do I really care to see what is gonna be happening next week? I I just. I didn't get that from any of the moments that weren't the action moments. And then maybe the beginning, the very first scene with Layla, I thought was really well done. But just any of the moments in between action for the rest of the episode moving forward, yeah, it felt muddled, felt unnecessary at times. There were there were parts where, again, we talked about the idea of 
things being set up only to be immediately resolved. And I get it. Again, we're episode three of six. You don't have a ton of time in a miniseries to to pull these points across. So so maybe you don't need to make them as convoluted or complicated or throw in as many MacGuffins that are instantly solved, um, you know, in just just to just to get to these fight sequences um, again, which to your point, Kevin, this was a phenomenal fight sequence. And I also loved, again, how this episode did a, a even better job, I think, than last week's of showcasing, Justin, what you were saying, Moon Knight and or sorry, Mark and his skill set. And then Steven and his skill set and then Conchu and what he brings to the table. So I really I really did enjoy that aspect of seeing Mr. Knight using his mind instead of his strength. Um, but yeah, I think uh, with all the other issues throughout the episode, this is where I think and we talked about pacing in our preview episode. This is where that pacing really hits a wall. I ultimately I, I just I want it to pick up uh, and I understand why they made it this way, um, but I'm also going to give it three and a half imprisoned moon gods out of five. All right, well, that is it for this week's episode of Watch Club. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, um, Justin, immediately, go! Pew. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. <gasps> well, you guys are like Mark and Steven. You're really getting the hang of this uh, transferring yeah. thing. Well done. Yeah, but I love how I'm, as soon as I passed it, as soon as I passed it over to Justin, he wanted out of it immediately. He just he couldn't <laughs> handle it. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for Everything Everywhere All at Once and The Northman. We also have our interview with the Daniels that Justin did, uh, who are the directors of Everything Everywhere All at Once, so definitely go check that out. Plus, we have our weekly This Week in Geek episodes where we break down the latest trailers and news every single Wednesday, which this week Justin and Kevin shared their thoughts on the latest trailer for Stranger Things. Things uh, as season four and the Spirit Halloween movie. There wasn't a trailer for Spirit Halloween. It's just, it's just they announced there might be a Spirit Halloween movie. <laughs> Anyways, make sure to subscribe to get all that geeky goodness. Also, I'm stoked to say uh, that now that we've made it through three episodes of this Watch Club, we will be bringing on a special guest next week uh, for a Watch Club that will be. Completely. If you've been missing the speculation, uh, we are going to be here to break down all of our thoughts as to where we think this series is going, um, catching up to episode four next week. I am so stoked. Uh, but for now, Justin, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, Later, skaters. skaters.